We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Corner. I'm Cal Dansby. And I'm Andreas Hale. By now you know that. And we have another good week of boxing, wrestling, and MMA. And we're talking a little, about, a little bit about hip-hop this week, which yeah. is good. Uh, there's always some dope stuff happening in hip-hop. This week is Kendrick Lamar, something that we've talked about numerous times. And now someone shares my opinion. Yeah, go ahead and talk about this article because <laughs> I, I, I've got a lot to say about it. So when I saw it, the first thing I did was send it to you. Complex put it out. They said that the Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly is overhyped pretty much and that people were saying that it's better than it was and they were going off a of feeling, which is something I said numerous times. And I think the impact of it is enormous and it was socially conscious and it was what rap needed to see someone with that type of platform take that type of stand but that's separate from musically musically i don't want to listen to it again i'm not missing anything by not listening to it and they share my views on that well let's not say they that's one writer one writer yeah one writer one to writer. Share, share an opinion which is basically saying that a bunch of people didn't like the album as much as they wanted to but it speaks to two things here, because one, for one, I disagree, obviously. But you like the album. I love the album. I, think, I still think it's the album of the year. But it speaks to two things. And the one thing that you got to pay attention to more than anything else is it speaks to the level of groupieism in music journalism. Because, and let me explain. In 72 hours, there are people deeming this album a classic. And now you have journalists doubling back, saying, well, it may not have been good as, as I thought it was. This is what happens when you have a knee-jerk reaction to an album. You spend, you know, 
two days listening to an album and you write a classic review and deem something a classic. Very true. And, and that's what it speaks to more than anything else because it was the feeling that had a lot of these journalists jump on the bandwagon because it's not in vogue to say something's not good when everybody else, especially when it's socially conscious and has social commentary. You can't go against black. Yeah, you really can't. You can't, like, trash it. I know this firsthand. And the backlash I've received from the show, in my opinions, um, on the album yeah. is not popular. So while I disagree with the opinion, there's there's a subtext that I think is a lot more important that says you music journalists out here are groupies. Your problem is, is that you jump on something while it's hot and then you consider it a classic. But we're all doing the rat race of trying to get page views and we're going to write something that's a classic and not really think about it. Now, if I would have did the same thing, if, if I would have reviewed Illmatic 24 to 48 hours after it dropped, I would have been gushing over Life's a Bitch. I would have been gushing over The World is Yours. But New York State of Mind didn't hit me until three weeks after I listened to the album. It ain't hard to tell. It's still my favorite track. But what I'm saying is you got to have time to live with these albums before you write these reviews. And gone are the days where you get to sit with an album. And so when you have this and somebody says something that's classic, I, I didn't appreciate the, the timing of this article because I thought it was kind of awkward to drop this, this column and say it's, it's kind of piggybacking off of the, the concept, well, the, the articles that came out that people were leaving um, after Future during the Kendrick show, even though it was like one in the morning. These things happen. Yeah. But this, it was kind of picking up off of the momentum of that. People paid. They can stay and watch whoever they want. Yeah, and it is what it is. Um, but there's also another problem here is that if, if you read the article, um, he references Wesley Morris's article in Grantland that kind of trashes Fruitvale Station for not being a good movie. But we liked it more because of the socially conscious message, the social message of Oscar Grant's death. And I thought I have this issue where we got a lot of black journalists trashing black things because they feel like they're the authority on that voice. I have a problem with that in general. I I don't like when someone looks at you just because you are a black journalist and feels like you should be the authority on things. It's a problem. Like if something black happens in MMA or the UFC. Don't run to me for my opinion first. Right. Like, let's get everyone's opinion. Um, like the John Jones thing. It's like, you know, if there's something, let's say even something racist happened. Like someone just went on a racist rant after a fight. Don't look at me first. Or don't change your opinion because I'm in the room or whatever it may be. That whole dynamic throws me off. But I, I agree. I mean, we have that responsibility. And if we feel as though we want to do it, we should. We should. Because we have that responsibility. Other people putting it on us, kind of weird. But as a black journalist, uh, especially well-known black journalist and people who have a platform, there's not many of us. Right. So use that platform, share your opinion, because you're speaking for a lot of people who don't have that platform. Well, here's the other scary thing about this article. So this column comes out and basically backtracks on the critical praise that's been heaped on Kendrick Lamar's album. And it, there's a few passages in there where it talks about it's suffocating and it's 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 like him performing open heart surgery on himself and how does a guy who go plat who goes platinum chooses to collaborate with Layla Hathaway, Ronald Isley and George Clinton? Well, here's the thing. Kendrick's album is not emulating Tupac, Ice Cube. It's emulating Gil Scott Heron, George Clinton, you know, like soul cafes and smoky jazz houses like that's what this album is emulating it's not a really a hip-hop album who are you to question what he does for his follow-up he's in his influences on this album are far different than tupac and ice cube and nas it is a gil scott heron the rules will not be televised which is not made for you to necessarily like and when i say you 
it may be, you know, there's white folks who go, I can't relate to that. It was not for you to relate to. It's for you to understand the story. Yeah, and the mainstream appeal to the album isn't there. No, it's not a mainstream it's not album. A mainstream album. He's a mainstream artist, which made it so much different, which is why I say the impact is far greater than the music, in my opinion. I will never take away from the impact because he did something that when you're the second, third, possibly the first hottest rapper in the world, you don't do. It always comes back to my like image of Kobe and Michael Jordan and all this stuff. And it's kind of like when something social happens around the world or something, they don't speak up. It might hurt the brand. Right. When you are the big man on the mountain, you're supposed to keep your mouth shut. This is very Muhammad Ali of him, where it's more like, I'm the great, I don't care. I have an opinion, I'm going to say it. The album cover, which I think was amazing, the videos for it, that's scary to a lot of people. That's something you're not supposed to say when you've made it, quote unquote. Right. When you're in the good old boys club, when your record label, sorry to kill people's dreams, is paying millions of dollars to get you radio play. And then you give them I. And you say... My budget's there. You're going to get me radio spins. Play this. And they're like, um, what happened to the swimming pool type thing? No, you play this. Let's be clear. Swimming pools wasn't a real single either. Oh, I'm just saying. Like, you they would have took that any day, but they had eye on the NBA finals because he wanted that. And the money was there, and he was strong enough to push what he wanted. That's incredible. Just because, to me, musically, it doesn't sound like the best. Once again, I like that genre. I like everything. I think Lupe did it better on his album. But the message and the platform, yo, he gets an A plus 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 plus. He had the biggest impact this year. Yeah. So, so my thing is going back to the article. Like, I'm tired of debating with people, including yourself, as to whether the album is good or not. It, yes. it doesn't matter to me anymore. It's music is subjective. You can like what you like. But there's just there's some underlying themes here in this why this column has come out, which I wrote a counter, and it's not even a counter to his points. There is, like I said, there is this under these undertones about how music journalism has become this scary thing where journalists aren't really being journalists anymore. They're being groupies and they're being, you know, let's put a few extra rows in Future's bandwagon because I just figured out what he was doing. But you weren't on that bandwagon years ago. And as a music journalist, you're supposed to be ahead of the curve. That's, that's all journalism right now, though. I mean, that's the scary part of all journalism because now everyone can do it. So if you're best friends with the internet thought who has access to all these things and is in the studio every night and you can see future and you can you know grab a little video and then your joints exclusive the next thing you know you work for this site and your voice is bigger than someone who's way better than you who's been doing it for 10 years so the people who've been doing it for 10 years is like i kind of got to walk on eggshells because i don't want to be on the wrong side of things so if something comes out in two days they're like ah i kind of like it it's good it's going to get better but i gotta proclaim it classic now which they know is wrong like you said you're supposed to sit and grow now but they have to do it because the next Joe Smo nobody is going to do it. So it, it's a horrible spot in all of journalism right now. But you got to play that, that fence. That's what makes a good journalist. You got to move. You got to adapt. You got to learn how to do the quick pieces and then the think pieces to follow it up. You got to be smart about everything. I mean, you know, and again, it goes. there's another part of it where there's this uncomfortable pro-black element of this album that I feel like black people are starting to get scared of. We're in, a, we're in a society right now where there's all these, you know, black television shows being incubated in writers' rooms. You would think everybody would be more comfortable with these narratives. But it seems like the only people that's really uncomfortable with it is us. Like, it's like we're the ones uncomfortable saying black lives matter. 
out loud because we're afraid, like you mentioned with sport, with athletes, to offend somebody. But it's not about offending anybody. This is our story. This is Kendrick's story. He's not here to turn you into a black man. He's here to make you understand his story and his struggle. It's, I don't know. It, it's weird because even when I met you, you're you're so active in these type of conversations. You don't shy away from it. Not at all. And that's super dope. And to a lot of people, though, you got to understand being black isn't cool. To speak about being black, you have to be cool first. Which is crazy. Yeah, but this is the mindset. It's it, Honest to God, you got to have something behind you, a platform, something to fall back on and feel comfortable enough to speak about being black. If you do not, if you're just someone normal on Twitter, if you're just a normal everyday member of the black community, you are scared because then how do you reach that next level? Because you're always thinking, if I proclaim this, if I speak my mind, if I am, it's going to stop me from getting to A, B, and C. The people who have at least at least two steps up on the podium be like okay I'm, I'm where I'm at I know I'm going to get further but I'm comfortable with speaking about this and then once you reach the zenith of it then you get scared that it's going to tumble you back so it's it's so weird the dynamic it, it's not cool to be black yo it, it's cool to be cool and once you're cool like Kendrick he was cool first then he can be black now if someone wanted to take Kendrick's stance and his exact same music and exact same cover and put it out as their first project these labels ain't pushing you. No. Because it ain't cool to be black. It's cool to be cool first, and then you can be black. Then you can be whatever you want. You can be black. You can be gay. You can be openly in favor of whatever you want. Hispanic, all that stuff, but you better be cool first. You better make a money first, and then you can speak about whatever you want. See, here's the other fascinating thing. It's like this album, To Pimp a Butterfly, to me, is Kendrick Lamar's De La Soul is Dead. When De La Soul came out and they got tagged with the hippie label, everybody knew that De La could rap. Everybody knew that Pies and True, they, they could rap. Everybody knew that. But then they, you know, they labeled them as hippies and all these things. And they, the, De La Soul is dead. was like, we're not hippies. Like, this isn't who we are. This is the music that we want to make. Kendrick did the same thing with this album. To Pimple Butterfly is essentially saying, all right, I gave you this, but you're not going to box me into this category. Because everybody knows Kendrick could rap. But, oh, yeah. But ever since I've known Kendrick, ever since I've known Top Dog, and when I met these guys... I knew what Kendrick wanted to do with his second album. Well, his second studio album. I knew it because if you listen to Section 80, Fuck Your Ethnicity is about... Oh, Section 80 is still my favorite work of his. It's, it's an amazing piece of work, but you look at songs like Sex with Society, Vanity Slave. He's always had these themes. You even look at some of the stuff he rapped over, which he, you know, like uh, Foreign Exchange is Daykeeper. Oh, like, yeah. who rhymes over that? People love those BET freestyle joints, and he wasn't spitting just garbage in those. He was no. talking real words. Like, he... This is what he is about. This is who he is. And it's the, it's the art before the personality. Like, you don't hear groupie stories about Kendrick. You don't hear about who he's dating. Like, you hear about his fiance, but it's like, big deal. There's no, like, subtext to who Kendrick is. What he puts out there and the person that he puts out there is who he is. And some people just can't handle that. They want more Drake it's than scary. Kendrick. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it with Lupe. He was oh, just yeah. 10 years too early. Yeah. He scared people. <laughs> yeah, Lupe is one of those guys that I feel like he was a victim of timing. Because as amazing as he was, the, the, this country was not ready for what he had to say. At all. And he forced it, and then he got scary, and people were kind of just like, it's still kind of not cool to say you like Lupe, because people yeah. were like, oh, it's going to scare people. Like, and I mean, and it ruined it, it, it ruined his outlook. I mean, I've known Lupe for a long time, and I've watched Lupe become jaded. Like, I did a, a story on him, which was supposed to be on the cover of the, store, of the source many years back when he did Lasers. And we sat in his trailer, and we talked about the blog scene because it was just bubbling up. And we talked about music, and we talked about the label situation. He had to basically have a trade-off. He was like, I want to do an all-black everything. But uh, the label was like, well, you got to give us, like, a pop song, you know. 
like something that we can grab onto. And he had that kind of struggle. Ken- Kendrick doesn't have that struggle. No. He just kind of does what he wants. But that's the this age of music. It so is. Everything is changing. The internet the internet has changed everything. But still, you got to be hot first. <laughs> that That's what it boils it's down true. to. You, it's you true. You got to be cool first, and then you have leeway to do whatever you so, want. So, I mean, before we even move on to this topic, I, like, I, like I said, my going back to this article, I, I wasn't a fan of it because I don't agree with it. But, like I said, there's a bigger problem where music journalists, y'all need to calm down. I'm a music journalist, and I don't deem anything classic in 72 hours. <laughs> you just you got to chill with the album. You got to let it grow on you. You got to figure beat. out. Yeah, but that's what it is. This is clickbait. Even this column in itself is clickbait. You it know, is. It's really clickbait. And it's kind of disgusting that journalism can't really live anymore. And RIP to Grantland because it's one of the few sites that just did things the way that they wanted to do. And unfortunately, ESPN didn't even see what they had. They wanted to get out of the pop culture game. But Grantland is one of the few sites that I went to for unfiltered opinions on things yeah. or or stories that you didn't think you wanted to read. Kendrick just made an album that you didn't think you wanted to listen to. And some people didn't want to listen to it. I still don't want to listen to it. I like it. It's like this. If I go to a restaurant, like some people just like McDonald's, and that's just the way it is. And you're going to eat a Big Mac. Yeah. You're going to like a Big Mac more than you like a restaurant burger. Gutter palate. But, right. but, you're, but you're going to say you're never going to admit that McDonald's is your thing. You want to have the Kendrick album to be your album. Like you don't want to say, like the race right out is my, my joint. Like you won't say that out loud because you in fear of people saying, oh, you have a gutter palate. But some people just have a gutter palate. You just like Burger King more than in and out. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and you don't want life. And cats don't want to admit that. People don't want to admit that. Like, fine dining is not my thing. I like my reviews on Yelp. That's how I live. See, that, <laughs> that's why I'm such a weirdo, because I love both. <laughs> <laughs> like, on the real. I go get me a box of chicken fries right now, and then I'll be at Bobby Flay's later. Like, just, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. That's what music journalism has become. Is like cats want to be these tastemakers and feel like, oh, I, I know every seasoning. I know what this artist referenced. But you don't really care about what he referenced. You care about if it makes you bounce in the club. Like, stop acting like you're deeper than what you are. That's the problem <laughs> with music journalism. They done got you started. Hey, I, like, I, I just spent 2,000 words on, on a column that should be going up today. Today's Wednesday. It should be going up today or tomorrow on Two Dope Boys about this particular topic. Because it's not about the artists anymore. It's about the people behind this industry that make this thing go. That, that's in everything. I mean, we could talk about that later in wrestling. True. I mean, it, it's the same thing. Like, everyone's a smart now. Yep. Indeed. Like, it, it, it really, it's changed. It, it, everybody it, thinks they know changed. everything. Yeah. It's what the internet has done to this. Everybody's <laughs> a booker. Everybody knows better than everybody else. Everybody can rap. Everybody can sing. Everybody can fight. Everyone can matchmake in UFC and in boxing. And why isn't this person fighting that person? And Triple G hasn't fought anyone, just like we've been talking about. And everyone knows better than the people who are paid to do it. Like, even our podcast. Anybody can have a podcast and put it on SoundCloud. Word. Just how outrageous can you be to get listeners in? Because people don't even care if you're educated anymore. It's just how out, what outrageous thing you can you can say. They can't be as dope as this, though. No. Nah, just letting you know. They can't. Just in case. So, you guys so, are wondering. So, enough of that. Let's move on. Today, we were just with Timothy Bradley and Brandon Rios, who are fighting this weekend. And this is a fight that is not get, generating a ton of buzz, but it's a very interesting fight on multiple levels. It's going to be a good fight. I mean, we, I, at least I can speak for myself, I expected Bradley to get into a slugfest because I've seen it several times. That's what he does. And just to abandon his good sense and his game plan and start slugging it out. Right. But now after today, I'm not too sure of that. Like, how much can you learn from new trainer Teddy Atlas in seven weeks? But listening to them talk, now I'm just like, damn, am I wrong? Like, is he smarter? Is he going to stick by the game plan that won him the Pacquiao fight? 
what, regardless what anyone says, not trading and dancing and keeping rounds close won him that fight, and then he abandoned it. So is he going to go back to that, Bradley? Is he better than he has been? Yo, uh, listening to Teddy and Tim talk today, uh, for those who don't, aren't aware, today was their grand arrivals at the Wynn Hotel here in Las Vegas. We are here now in right. a very dope room, by the way. <laughs> and we got a chance to sit down with both Brandon Rios and Robert Garcia and Teddy Atlas and Tim Bradley. And when I broke the story on Yahoo that Tim decided to go with Teddy, I was skeptical because how do you break somebody's habits that they've had for over 30, well, you know, 16, 17 years as a professional in seven weeks? But listening to them today, it makes you wonder, maybe Teddy's got the key to make Tim break his bad habits in the ring. Maybe he can calm him down when he gets hurt and wants to go out there and swing it. I mean, there were little things that Tim talked about today that Teddy has pointed out. I'm just concerned that when you get hit in the two-minute mark of round six, does your training go out the window and you go back to muscle memory and do what you're used to? It probably does. I mean, seven weeks isn't a long time. Nah. But he can help. He can help a little. And is it enough to win the Rios fight? It could be the difference. A fight that I thought was a toss-up three hours ago could swing a little bit in Bradley's favor just because of that little difference. Now, if he wins, the difference will be seen going forward. Yeah. That's where the real difference is. Give these guys time. Let him learn the, their ways and give them longer than a seven-week camp or talk in between camps. And he has the benefit of being Atlas's only guy. Yeah. Unlike a lot of other trainers. He talked Atlas into coming back, and Atlas only focuses on him. So Teddy's not going to leave and then just go train another guy for the next four months and then pick Bradley back up. They're going to watch this. They're going to break it down. They're going to get his body right, and then they're going to talk about this for six months and get stuff better. That's what's going to be scary. He just has to win this by a narrow margin, and this could be the difference. I mean, I never had this fight being close in the first place. I think Brandon's feet are too stationary. I don't think he moves enough. I don't think he's good enough at cutting off the ring. I think that Bradley has proven to be just a good enough counterpuncher to keep Brandon off of him. Um, and I've never, I mean, not, never said that Brandon Rios is a bad fighter. He's always been exciting. But he has problems with people with lateral movement. And I think Tim can give him that movement to give him problems. But the bigger question that I've had about this fight is there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow when you win. There's no guarantee shot against Manny Pacquiao. Top ranked stable at 140, well, at 147 is kind of thin. So you're not getting Terrence Crawford because he's probably getting Pacquiao. And there's no way they're going to put Terrence in there with a fight that he can lose at 147 against Bradley and Rios. So where do the you go? The loser might get Crawford. I doubt it. I don't think the if loser Rios loses, I, I can see him going against Crawford in the next fight. And that's because I think Amir Khan gets the fight. I mean, I'm leaning towards that. I, I, like I said before, I think it's I, – I love it from a boxing perspective. As a fan, I want to see Crawford and Pacquiao go at it. From, from a business perspective, no thanks. From a business perspective, you're either ruining your, your up and rising star or your biggest star is going out on a whimper. And – I don't think it's a star-making fight for Terrence Crawford just because Pacquiao looks so bad against Floyd Mayweather. Pacquiao like, might need that one. Let him knock out Khan or just dominate Khan, come back. Yeah. Then he can boost someone's resume again. Yeah, and I mean, that's how I see it. But I, I think the problem is, like, okay, if Tim Bradley wins, now what? Because Al Heyman has all the guys you want to see him fight. Everybody. You, you, like, I would love to see Tim Bradley and, and Sean Porter or Tim Bradley and Keith Thurman or Tim Bradley and Danny Garcia, but we're not going to see any of those. It's not going to happen. So what do you do? You can't fight. You're not going to fight Pacquiao. 
you're not going to fight Provodnikov. Bradley's beat everybody at the top except for Victor Postal, who just came up to 140, and Terrence Crawford, who probably won't fight him because it's a dangerous fight. Move up to 154 and wait for that Canelo Cotto winner. But and, do they make a deal for that fight? Do they do? Does does Bob Arum do? Do they play nice and make a deal for that fight? Like Cotto, I could see, but Bob Arum and Miguel Cotto had a kind of a you know they they fall into the wayside a little bit. Yeah. Does Golden Boy jump in bed with the top rank to make a a Canelo Tim Bradley fight? I don't see why not. I don't I mean, see why. Where's anything, the money in it? Where's the money in anything after that point? Like who is Canelo going to fight next? You go after the championship to boost future fights. But that's Bradley would have to be coming to him. What do you, Bradley would have a belt, but he would have to come to. Oh, he'd Can- have to go up yes, to one fifty four. Yeah, you couldn't, couldn't take his belt. You see what I'm saying? You'd be risking your best fighter's belt. My point is like, what? Mm-hmm. Where does this? Where yeah, does this rough. leave Tim Bradley? Like Brandon Rios is an exciting fighter. If Brandon Rios win or lose, I want to see him fight Ruslan Provodnikov. Not going to happen because you know Robert's working with Ruslan. But that's what I want to see. Tim Bradley's never been a guy that people are excited to see fight. I like Tim Bradley. I like watching I like him fight. like a lot more than he's just giving up on the dance around mentality and he just wants to slug it out. So I'm just a little concerned. Like, I, this fight is intriguing on so many levels. I'm just concerned about the future. It's going to be a weird future. And we touched on Cotto uh, versus Canelo, and we're getting close, man. It's three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Uh, even less than that now, two and a half. Well, yeah, we got Andre Ward on the undercard now. That's going to be a whack fight because he doesn't care and he just chooses a tuna can. What, what did I say? You know, like I, I had an argument with Glass. Glass, like he's not gonna fight as uh, light heavyweight. I was like, yes, he is. It's gonna happen, and he's gonna fight two tomato cans, and then he's gonna fight Sergey Kovalev. Andre Ward has done his career no favors right now. And him, he still thinks he's like the A side of A side. Well, it's crazy because Andre mind. Ward is like the best. You know, pound for pound, if he was active, he'd be the the best fighter. But he's not active. You got to prove yourself. So what do you do? What do you do I with mean, Andre Ward? You gotta take three fights. Two. Before he fights Kovalev. But I'm saying three fights in 2016. He's not doing – it won't be three fights. He'll fight He'll fight once – well, he might fight December. Okay, he might. He might. November 21st is late enough. Yeah. So November, he'll take an April fight. Spring fight, yep. September. September, November, October, October. November. Somewhere, somewhere late next year. Kovalev. Right. It's pretty much three fights in a year span. Yeah. That's pretty active. It's the most active he's been in a long time. It's not bad. Heading into the Kovalev fight, I'm – I'm wondering, do they boost his ranking? Even against just Joe Schmoes that he's about to be fighting. If he dominates and he gets two knockouts and he's heading into the Kovalev fight, do you put him above Kovalev ranking? No, no. Kovalev has beat Bernard Hopkins. Kovalev has been active. He's been destructive. He's been obliterating his opponents. Andre Ward fighting two tomato cans doesn't prepare him for a Sergey Kovalev at light heavyweight. Andre Ward has advantages over Golovkin in size if they were to fight. Kovalev, he doesn't have those same advantages. No. He's fighting a bigger, stronger guy that he's never really been in the ring before. Do I doubt Ward can win? No, I don't necessarily doubt it, but I don't like his chances. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like when you're – you can't fight two cans to be to prepare for Sergey Kovalev. No. He's going to have – like, he has to, which will essentially be bad. If Kovalev is fighting Jean Pascal at the top of next year, Jean Pascal is a guy that you should fight if you're Andre Ward. Yeah. But if Kovalev wrecks him, that's damaged goods. If he wrecks him again – it's no use. Well, I mean, then you just take the fight because it's still better than the Joe Schmo off the street. It is, but it's just like. Just fight someone Kovalev has fought. I struggle with, with Ward's decision to go to Rock Nation for this very reason. 
I don't like seeing him go. He, like he's like, there's no fights for me in super middleweight. Well, there kind of are, but you know, light heavyweight. What are you doing? Like I don't understand. Is two fights going to prepare you for Sergey Kovalev? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Rock Nation to me gives you that flexibility. He's not going to use it to his advantage because he's perfectly fine just fighting tuna cans and just getting to where we got to go. But it gives him the flexibility where he could have take this as a tune-up fight, use this on the undercard at short notice, boost your status, and then you could have fought. Uh, I mean, an Adonis. Yeah, Adonis ain't never gonna step in the ring with Andre and just Ward. Just wash him. Just listen, but he has. A company that's willing to put up stupid amounts of money where Adonis isn't going to see that type of money. Because Rock mean, Nation will throw money at him. Yeah, but uh, but he's with Al Heyman. I mean, the but money. Rock Nation can go either way. They can, but do you. And that's like, the flexibility. He can't anymore. He signed a stupid HBO deal. He is now. But not only that, Heyman and Jay Z aren't doing business. Everyone says this. It, it's true. Now listen, I've seen Aram and Mayweather it's do different. business. Anything is possible. It's different. It'll have to be the it'll have to be Mayweather Pacquiao proportion. Adonis Stevenson is not Mayweather nor Pacquiao or anybody in between. Like Andre Ward can't draw flies in his hometown of Oakland. Okay, so if Canelo and Triple G theoretically were to fight in the future, yeah, it happens where Canelo and Triple G or Cotto? Canelo and Triple G here in Vegas. No, no, no. Like network. Cause oh, network. Are you going to HBO? They'll figure that one out. Hey, they can't go to Showtime. No, but they'll Who's figure that put one. Put on that pay per view. Yeah, they, they'll figure that one. That that that's big business. That can be figured out. Andre Ward doesn't have the appeal of either of those guys. That's my problem. He hasn't he hasn't gone on a string of knockouts. He has nothing as good as he is. As good as like he doesn't even have the personality. Like I watch him do commentary. I'm like, man, like what are you gonna <laughs> do to endear yourself to the crowd? No, he's like a heel kinder. But in, he in doesn't play it up. Like he's so good. But his personality is so wooden, and he's been so inactive. And the fact that he's a gold medalist, like, he should be like Kurt Angle, running around like, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. Like, yeah. these guys don't want to fight me. He's, his career has just been mishandled, mismanaged. Like, even though I love Jay Prince and everybody over there, and I love Rock Nation, it, this is bad. I just, I don't get it. But then, now we got Cotto and Canelo. My other problem is, Cotto doesn't do interviews. I haven't seen anyone talk to him. There's been no exclusive... Uh, Canelo doesn't speak English. I mean, how do you promote this fight? Listen, I'd do an interview with him right now in Spanish if they gave it to me. Like, I got <laughs> it. But even he's untouchable at this point. Like, come on. Something's got to give. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they're going to fall flat on their face because pay per view numbers come out. It's like SoundScan nowadays, <laughs> it's going to get leaked. And if your pay per view does 250, you're getting laughed at. Yeah, and a paper in a fight of this magnitude should do well. Should. But should do great. Canelo wh- is a huge draw on his own. Where usually. where are these fighters? They're not visible. They're not accessible. They're not accessible. Like, for the mainstream outlets that I write for, I'm getting shut down. They're like, Cotto's not doing interviews. If Jay-Z can take time out of his schedule, fly the wild card in L.A. and sit there, <laughs> you can do an interview. Yeah. Like, you got to start. Like, we get emails. I'm not positive he talked to Jay-Z, though. Jay was just kind of lurking during training. No, he was there. I mean, you know. I don't even know if they talk, though. I don't know what they say to each other, but it's a photo op. If Jay can take time for a photo op, you can take time for an interview. Cotto's never been the best interview. He's very stoic. He doesn't say a whole lot of anything. But you got to do something. Canelo doesn't speak English. You got to make up for the American audience because the Mexican-Puerto Rican rivalry is not enough to drive pay-per-views to where they should be. Yeah, I don't think they're just packing the Mandalay Bay full of Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. 
No. You need some other type of diversity, some big spenders, something. And the other thing is, especially a fight in Vegas, it's not like you're fighting in either of these fighters' backyards. If you're fighting in Mexico, yeah, okay, do whatever you want. You're fighting in New York and Puerto Rico at the Garden, do whatever you want. You're fighting in Vegas, which is no man's land. A week before Thanksgiving. People got families to take care of. Listen, yeah. I'd rather buy a gigantic turkey than pay $60 if you're not promoting a fight. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's so, tough. It, I mean, it's going to be a rude awakening for them. There's no hype yet. We'll see if it changes in the next two weeks. Uh, maybe they'll get a late push when they get here, and something will pop off, and it'll be exciting. But I don't see it yet. It's it's not happening. And someone needs to teach Canelo English. It's not that hard. Well, see, Canelo, I've said it before. Canelo learning English takes him to another universe. Look at Triple G. Yeah, he knows like, English. He's an Apple Watch fine. commercial. Like Canelo should be doing these Foot Locker commercials in English. I mean, come on, man. He's not he's not a bad looking dude. Girls like him. Girls love him. Like he, this guy is. He, a ginger he's, Spanish kid? He's so marketable. Yeah, like he's a pop star. Like people's like, oh, it's Oscar De La Hoya. Like, remember Oscar De La Hoya made like a, an R&B album? It was terrible. Yeah, and people bought it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He do whatever he wants. Canelo, novelas. He's been on everything. Canelo has that. All he's got to do is learn English. That's it. And he doesn't do it, which is odd. I think he'll. I think he will learn. I think he is learning the language. But like, it, you see what it does for Golovkin. Even if Golovkin's English is not that great, like conference call with Golovkin can be kind of rough. But, you know, the little quotes here and there, the good boy. Yeah. Like, it makes him endearing. It makes you like him. As long as you can understand something that he's saying. Yeah, he's funny. I, I like Triple G. Um, another thing I've been meaning to ask you and have you clean up and clear up for me on this episode, the Mayweather champion emeritus or whatever. Yeah, well, what what did, is that? Okay, it's, they did the same thing with Rigondeau recently. Okay. When you're inactive for an extended amount of time, you're basically the champ, but not really. It, it Can like, other people fight for your belt? It this depends. I'm wondering because I don't want to be conspiracy brother, but if he's retired, just uh, take his belt away. Well, that's not how it works with this because he hasn't lost the belt. So there's like a time frame, and a sanctioned body can vote to remove you. Like that's what they've done to Rigondeaux. Rigondeaux has been stripped of the WBO title, and he's been now named champion Demetrius, which is bullshit. But it's all nonsensical. It's like if in pro wrestling, you're either the champ or you're not. There is no yeah. interim world heavyweight champion. Daniel Bryan doesn't just get to walk around with his belt for a second. No, they, they strip you of it and they give it to somebody else who fights for it. When you're inactive and then Floyd, because essentially what they're saying is the belt is here when you come back, Floyd. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I don't want to bring the conspiracy theory into, into being, but if you're not going to strip him for it, it's just like, okay, are you waiting for him to come back? Like you don't believe him either. Like, so everybody doesn't believe him. You don't believe him. Only person that believes him is him. It's it's all bullshit. Like I said, world championships. Pacquiao and weighed in the wings. It, Get the fight, that con knockout. September's looking real nice. Fight's not happening. Pacquiao's, Pacquiao is having his last fight in April, and if he's senator, he's not he's fighting. fighting. He's yeah. It's over. And Mayweather's not fighting in April. He'll never fight in April. When was the last time Floyd Mayweather fought in a month that wasn't May or September? Nah, you're going back to De La Hoya days. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it'd have to be a September fight. And, yeah, Pacquiao, I don't – if he went senator, I think he does walk away. And I think this is the last we see him in April. Uh, it's just so weird then. Just let, him, let the man retire. And if you're Floyd, just retire. I mean, he's retired. How many more times does he have to say he's just retired? vacate the belts. Yo, I'm out. He took this label in stride too. Why? But what is he supposed to do? Vacate the belts. Hey, how about this? I have someone I kind of want to fight for the belt. Let's let them fight. 
Because you know what? Them having a belt, even though it's stupid in boxing, there's a million belts, will make us more money. Because when you're the champion, you can promote being a champion. How about that? Look, I, I just don't care. Like I said, it's all this all this stuff is, is not like, – like I said, they just did it to Guillermo Rigondeaux because he's inactive, who's basically destroyed his own career. Um, and his inactivity cost him the world title, but people, we still have him on our pound-for-pound pound list. That doesn't change. He's just terribly inactive, and nobody gives a shit about who Guillermo Rigondeaux is. Casual boxing fans are like, who's that guy? Talking about someone who's inactive and possibly retired, like unlike Floyd, Marcos Maidana. Oh, he's done. Yo, he's like 190 pounds. He's he's tipping 200. He's tipping 200, and there's no he's reason for it. round as he is tall. He doesn't like boxing. Yo, he got that those two checks? He's done. What? He, I mean, it's not like he got the two checks and he's living in America. He's living in Argentina. Like, those dirt roads have now become a castle. Yes. And You feed, like, five generations off a of Mayweather check. What what good is him coming back? To, he can never make that money again fighting anybody. No, we heard Rios talk about it. He got that one Pacquiao check, and he lost his mind. Yeah, like, he just started wilding out, spending money, had an entourage. Like, it changes you. Like, Marcus My Ma- got two. Yeah, he got two checks, and he, he got paid pretty well off of the Adrian Broner victory as well. There's nothing left for him to do because he, he doesn't like the sport. It's a job. If I go to work and you pay me $5 million tomorrow and I don't like my job, like, I'm a writer. I enjoy what I do. Yeah. So I will continue to write probably until the day I die. If I'm bored, I write. But if I don't have to take any more punishment, you just cut me to, uh, what do you make, $5 million, three, like three and one and a half? Yeah. Five, you know what I can do with $5 million? There's people that work their whole lives. Don't even not see fight. $1 million. And I'll tell you what I'm not going to do is fight if I, don't, if I don't like doing it. Yeah. Take it. Go home. Like, who wants to cut weight? He's 190 pounds. Like, th- we may see Marcos Maidana come back at, like, 37 once he spent all his money and be, like, do the Eric Morales. And, and, I don't think he's spending all that down there. Got no, it's almost impossible. Kids, he's just chilling. It's almost impossible in Argentina to spend that kind of money. No, you buy a house, two little rinky-dink cars, you're good. Like, what else are you going to do? You're going to buy an island? <sighs> Listen, he's, not he's, going he's living life right now. He's done. Chilling, just eating all day. Yeah. So that clears up the boxing. I guess we take a little break. When we come back, we got to talk UFC and WWE. We've done like a flip. Wrestling's last this show. So all our wrestling fans who've been used to hearing us talk about it first, stick with us. We're going to talk about it at the end. A lot to talk about. NXT is huge this week. We have Raw. That's been great. We're also talking UFC, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. Like, this is all Ronda Rousey. <laughs> hey, we have the Fight Night 77 card to preview, too. So Who cares? Ronda Rousey. Stay with us. We'll come right back. What up, loudspeaker family? What's up? It's your man Ice-T. And I'm the co-host, McBenzo. And we're here to tell you that if you love podcasts like the Combat Jack Show, the Tax Season, the Brilliant Idiots, Fan Bros, and the Corn, yeah, then you're definitely going to want to check out our podcast, The Final Level Podcast. The Final Level Podcast is where you're going to get to talk about the latest movies, games, TV shows, and sports, but delivered from two OGs, who give less than zero fucks about how you feel. We don't hold shit back on this podcast. It's It's the the hardest podcast podcast on earth. On iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, which is real close to Snitcher, but it ain't. And YouTube, right here on the Loudspeaker Network, the number one podcast network on earth. Church. All right, everybody, we're back. We're going to talk UFC right now. And Andres wants to talk Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. I don't want to. a bigger story than that right now. What? Your boy John Jones is back. Is he? He's back. Did he leave? Yeah, I mean, six-month vacation. 
That wasn't even vacation. Like, Jose Aldo's been off more than John Jones has. Aldo still got sponsors. John Jones lost it all. Nah, it's not like he wasn't paid. To leave? I'm just saying. He's not broke. Nah, you'd be all right. But he's back. He just got a sponsorship thing like today. today I can't remember. Yeah, it's like GAT or something stupid. I had to write it up. Listen. It's not the condom depot, so it's what it is what it is. Yo, it should have been Trojan <laughs> condoms and hot, hot Cheetos, Cheetos got to throw money at Got to. Got to. Yo, I'm telling you. It's like Jay-Z with the Yankee hat. He made hot Cheetos hotter than hot Cheetos could. John Jones, synonymous with hot Cheetos. <laughs> but he's back to his old ways talking trash on Twitter. That's what I want to talk about. John Jones is back. I mean, like I said, John Jones never left. And this is what I always had a problem with his punishment is because it meant absolutely nothing because John Jones is back to his old ways. He probably snorted a little cocaine before he started tweeting, too. Probably. Because, you know, him and he's like he's baiting Cormier into looking like a fool where he's like, come to my gym and fight me. Like these fools are talking about going to each other's states and fighting each other. It was just like the ESPN joint. It's, it's like, like, are you there, pussy? Like, you did the exact same thing. Again? We're like, doing yo, this again? Yo, you're high again, John. <laughs> and the, my bigger issue is this, is that Cormier has proven that he cannot compose himself around John Jones. At all. No matter what happens, John will go poke his head out and be like, hey, pussy. And, and Daniel, he'll lose his mind. Let's we fight. have that one person, though. And, but that it, one person. It, it's usually somebody. all out of character. It's usually not somebody that can beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> For some people it is, and they just end up catching a fade. Like, that's a bully, you know, essentially. But in John Jones' case, is like, is Cormier saying he's a champ? Cormier said he's going to take a vacation. Take a vacation. Why are you engaging with John Jones again? Yeah, don't engage unless you're ready to fight in New York. Because that'd be the next time. Like, the more you engage, the more hype builds around it organically, the faster UFC is going to rush your ass into the octagon. Yeah, because what do they got to do? Like, this is, a ready, this is already a ready-made rivalry. There's nothing else they have to do. No. And it's not like they have to call John and say, hey, talk to Cormier. It's not like when you have Robbie Lawler fighting and somebody's like, Robbie, say something. Like, you know the fight's going to be good, but you, Robbie doesn't like to talk. Exactly. John is going to talk. You put these two in, this, in the room that we're in right now, furniture's moving. Oh, yeah. It's a big room, and it'll get destroyed. And the worst part about it is Cormier's the champ, but he's going to compose himself like the challenger because he feels like he's been belittled. He took the L. Yeah, yeah, he's I mean, lost. But he, all Cormier, Cormier's the chill. Relax. You are the champ. Can't. Take take your vacation because you've been through a lot of fights against top competition over the past couple of years. I don't know if there's another fighter that's fought elite competition like Cormier has. Why do you want to run back into a buzzsaw named John Jones again? I, if I was Cormier, I'd take another fight. I mean, I'd take Bader. Fight Bader. Get a win. Talk to me around UFC 200. Times. That's what I'm saying, but he's not going to do it. No. Jones is going to... Getting caught for the okie doke. Jones is going to force the UFC's hand. It's going to be Cormier and Jones and like And the UFC Martin. already wants to do it. Let's see. He's Jones, just going to give him a reason. Jones will fight in like April, I think. And if that's what it is, it's going to be against Cormier in April. If it's, that's the, the New York card, though. DC but that's what I'm saying. He'll be with it if Jones keeps talking to him. Because if, Cormier, if Cormier's going to fight you in your gym, he's going to fight you in New York. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like he's been baited, man. Yeah, yeah, he can't even backtrack. Hopefully, I mean, if it's in New York, I'm just flying out. Like, we'll just be in April. Like, I, as long as it's not the same weekend as WrestleMania, which I highly doubt. It better not be. I already got my floor seats. I'm there. Because <laughs> uh, we'll be at WrestleMania. But I'll take another trip. I don't care. Two trips in April? Because I am not missing that fight. No, that should be, like, you know, it was great the first time around. So My CTV. Exactly. Now we can talk about your girl, Ronda Rousey. Well, I mean, do we have any choice? Ronda's been all over the news. She did her press. She did her presser in L.A. 
um, her media day. Yes. And every Act. everything's been talked about to what she likes in the bedroom to like you can't get away from Ronda Rousey. It, Almost everything's been talking about. It, and it, one thing wasn't talked about. What? Her dating a domestic violence. <laughs> <laughs> I guess accuse E. And as soon as it was bought Listen, I don't know who the writer was offhand, but I love the way he handled it. See, I didn't know. I don't even know who it was. It was on the conference call, um, you know, leading up. In, it was last week, conference call leading up to uh, her UFC event on the 14th. And he asked her, hey, is it a distraction having your relationship in the news with your new boyfriend? And that was it. He didn't bring up domestic violence. He didn't bring up anything with her past beating people, hitting her boyfriend, her new boyfriend, hitting his wife. Nothing is an honest question. Is it a distraction? She banged it on him. Hung up the phone. She was out of there. And a conference call for Ronda Rousey. It wasn't even close, but it was good because he wanted to get something. Maybe she'd talk and open up about it. Nothing. She won't talk about her relationship with him. She'll tell you about every other guy she's laid up with before fights and how it goes down and how it gives her a rush. He is off limits. And you know what, what this does? Is it just fans the flames for more inquiries about your relationship? Someone else isn't going to be so nice. Because you hanging up, and I think Floyd Mayweather's done this the best. Floyd Mayweather's great at deflecting. He won't hang up on you. He'll change the course of the conversation. Ronda hasn't mastered that tactic yet. She's a little bit too emotional. Floyd Mayweather's detached emotion from his interview process. Every once in a while, the Ray Rice, you'll catch him slipping. Yeah. And you'll watch Kelly Swanson go, God damn it, Floyd. Like, you're not supposed to answer <laughs> that. Ronda's, she's built off of emotion. So when that comes up, she's like, I don't need to answer this. Click, hang up. But all you did was you just got a whole bunch of people who don't even care about MMA wanting to know about your relationship. Why won't you talk about it, Ronda? Because we don't even know. Like, Ronda's a pop culture icon she's no longer just an mma fighter she's exactly what the ufc has needed to break into the mainstream oh yeah but now with that comes the territory of like you're gonna have to ask the questions that you don't want to answer or you need to figure out a masterful way to dance around them and she hasn't figured that out hanging up won't. on hanging up on journalists we always have the last word yeah you're to, not gonna hang up on us in person sooner or later we're gonna have to talk to you and, and we're gonna be in a room but even worse i don't need you to write a story about you yeah i don't need you Ronda. hanging up gives you all you need to write like, and that's that's the key. Like you just, I asked a question, you hung up. That's enough to write about. Now you can say you're running from it. You can you can infer a lot of things. It's really easy from hanging up. I see. The other thing that, that I don't get about this is that you know, like I said, avoiding the question doesn't do anything but fuel the fire for people who want to ask more questions. But in Rhonda's case, it's like, what is there really that difficult to say? What can't you say? Can't you say, I don't really want to talk about that right now. Well, why not, Rhonda? Because it's my relationship. Like, can't you say something? Hanging up the phone means you have something to hide. Only thing you have to say is, I'm focused on my fight. I'm preparing for my fight. I'm not even thinking about my relationship right now and who I'm with. Next question. And, and then that's when the person on the phone would interject. Next question is from blah, blah, blah. And yeah. this, they would have helped her out real quick. Instead, she banged it on him. And they're like, oh, we apologize. Ronda Rousey is no longer on this call. Our next question will come from. And they just cut the dude off, too. Like, that was it. That was his first question. It was his last question. They went to the next person and told them to ask questions to somebody else. I mean, you know, a lot of people got on the case of Stephen A. Smith and the Kevin Durant thing when Stephen A. kind of went at Kevin Durant on first take. But he, Stephen A. was right. Kevin Durant can say whatever he wants. But people don't go to KevinDurant.com to read what he's got to say. They're going to go to ESPN and see what Stephen A. Smith has to say. 
and people will formulate their opinions. People can call Stephen A. Smith a jackass. You can call him whatever you want, but he's always going to have the last word. Yeah, that's rough, though, because his initial story was off of sources having to deal with Kevin Durant. It looked real bad when Durant was like, he doesn't have these sources. He made it up. But see, the, the scary. But then you can't leak your sources. It's so weird. It, but see. That's the inner I've workings been, of journalism. I've been in know. this position before where I know a story. And it's like, That's and I weird. see it, and then somebody would be like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I was like, you don't really want to do this right now. Listen, we we know I've been in this. Go back a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, go through our catalog. Go to BET. It's just it's, <laughs> like people, you know, athletes will lie to save face, but they forget that journalists, us as journalists, our job, good journalists, not bloggers, not people who, you know, don't credit their sources. But good journalists, we talk to other people around you. Yes, it's thing called vetting people. Yeah, and it's very easy to find out the real story here, and you can be outed. Be careful. I, I don't I, I don't deny for one minute that Stephen A. Smith is has some truth to a lot of what he said, and it may not have came directly from Kevin Durant, but it came from his people. And if Durant would just say, you know what, might have been a leak on my side. But it's not true. But once you attack the journalist, you've made an enemy. And then the journalist attacks back. That, that was a crazy situation. And, and then you know, we're going to have to do a whole segment one day and bring in people like uh, Ryan yeah. and, you know, just Marcus, everyone. Uh, maybe from one of these UFC events when we have three in a row in December and just do like a good segment or a mini show about being a journalist and being a good journalist today. Because I think it's information that we can share that one other podcast don't do because it's just gossip and craziness right. so it's a different dynamic and two we're at these things like it's a difference between blogging from your computer at home and never being at a live event to covering an event three times a month like and being a professional journalist and going to things and talking to fighters and how to do this stuff and getting sources i think it's good information to kind of share just general knowledge to people who are fans of us and given a, a good inside look at it and people who want to do kind of what we do and be real journalists yeah and i mean you know there's other there's all the other side of the corner because i've been doing music journalism for so long and and i can tell you right now that like the sports journalism game is, all, is a little bit dirtier than the music journalism game really it I'm is surprised by that it is because there's a lot of things in like Thankfully, music people are nice to me you know music music you can go into the studio and be like oh such and such is working with this artist or this beef happened because of this it's very cut and dry Rappers are emotional creatures. They just say whatever they think, and most of it comes out on record. Athletes, the art and the individual are completely separate, you know, unless you're like Allen Iverson and it comes out on the court. But rappers, who they are in the booth is 90% of the time kind of who they are in an interview. Like DMX is rambunctious. That's who you're going to get. Like you don't know Kevin Durant. You watch him play, and then you want to know his personality. Yeah. So it's like when you personality is completely different. People are like, oh, he's so laid back and humble and calm and all this stuff. Like, yeah, he's not really like that yeah. as a person. He talks shit all the time. He's really good. He's kind of arrogant, but not in a bad way. It fuels him. So yeah, their perception is very different. So it makes it different because sports, you know, everybody wants to get the scoop, especially like trades or who's fighting who in like our world, like who's fighting next or the drug testing, which we're about to talk about. Like, there's a lot of salacious details that go into inner workings of sports that the average person doesn't know. Everybody thinks they know everything about music. So it's not really that difficult to get a story. Yeah. So, anyway, there is a fight this weekend with our favorite drug TRT user, Vitor Belfort. Fight Night 77. Okay, so here's what's crazy. Did you read the story about Ronda Rousey has been tested, like, two a number of times, and Vitor has only been tested twice? Yeah. What the hell is going on? Vitor Belfort is... We know Vitor Belfort has used he's he's been busted before. Correct. And well, uh the Weidman fight, you know, his test results and all that stuff. We 
saw Weidman when he, he was, was on pissed. the podium and he was pissed and he found out like, wait, how is his testosterone not high? How did he pass? Yeah, he's 38 and, and I'm 30. Yeah, like, he what? didn't understand the workings of that at the time. None of us did. Um, but that's something we see in the UFC particularly, but in all MMA is if you stay in Brazil, you're not going to get tested like people who live here. Nah. It's just, it's not going to happen. We saw it happen with um, the last time Conor McGregor was supposed to fight Jose Aldo. They went to Aldo's gym that day for a surprise test. They sent a guy from the U.S. He couldn't test him. Right. He had to go. He had to go through the Brazilian board, come back the next day, and then it gave a full 24 hours, no longer a surprise test. Then Aldo did his thing, and then it had to get cleared and brought back here, and it was a whole different process. You're not going to do that four times in a month. No. Or four times in six weeks. They did it once. And that's it. So that's how Vitor Belfort can only get tested twice because it's a hassle. And as long as you don't come here, you can get away with it. Oh, man. Okay, so he's fighting Dan Henderson this weekend. And, it, and Hendo's 87 years old. Yeah, I mean, Hendo, I mean, he's got, like, Cuban age on him. Like, we have no idea how – like, we think he's old. But then, like, the dentures come out and you start looking at him like, damn, he's, like, he's old. Yeah, he's like old man Logan. So does – Shout out to the comic book fans. So Vitor Belfort – Dan Henderson, the winner, I have no – where do you go from here? It doesn't really matter, right? It's like you're – No, you, they're not getting another big fight. I mean, Vitor – He's not getting another – Weidman fight. No, nah, he got he, crushed by Weidman, so. Yeah, but, I mean, that's the champ. So, it's like you can possibly work your way back up. Um, he can request a Rockhold fight. <laughs> you think Rockhold's going to fight? Like, Rockhold – If Rockhold loses. Rockhold wants to kill Vitor. He doesn't want to fight him. He wants to kill yeah, him for what happened in Brazil. Yeah, want to kill Vitor. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean it's, it's a popular opinion. It's just there's a lot of things that have to go you into fighting. want to give him versus Silva if Silva returns? Like, well, two, two guys who just got popped. I'm just saying, but that's an interesting fight. Put that in Brazil. You show the stupid kick to the face a lot. It, it gives you some hype. You need something probably for that March card. I'm not sure where that's at yet. So, that wouldn't be a bad fight. I mean, like I Anderson said. Anderson could get a win possibly on his way back. I might. I don't know what we're going to do with Vitor, but Vitor's legacy will forever be tainted by this. No matter what Vitor has accomplished, it's interesting. TV Vitor was a monster. Yeah. But the, the thing about our MMA stars is that this, the sport's so young that it's hard. Like, when you hear, when you hear somebody like Anderson Silva get popped for steroids or whatever, and Vitor Belfort for TRT, and you know their legacy in these sports, they're tarnished. Their name is, like, tarnished forever. Oh, yeah. So how do you view them 20 years from now? Because we moved on. Like, Anderson Silva isn't even talked about anymore. For all that Anderson Silva... He was the greatest fighter ever. Quote, unquote, heading into that Whiteman fight. The greatest fighter of all time. That's what I'm saying. For everything that Anderson Silva's accomplished as an MMA fighter, is he just going to be cast to the side as like, "Eh, oh, well. Yeah, because, I mean, being in the American conscious of sports is different because it's such a young sport, but we've seen performance enhancing drugs and we've been through that era so even baseball is in our minds and it's tarnished us we have that baseball mentality A-Rod can't get into the Hall of Fame Barry Bonds can't be in the Hall of Fame so we carry that through all sports now once a cheater always a cheater and I think MMA listen if it was just completely oblivious to every other sport and we treat it as individual cases maybe they'd have you know more leeway Maybe Anderson could be looked at as, okay, he was popped because of the knee. He was just training to get back. He wanted his knee healthy again. Before then, he was completely healthy. We'll give him, you know, and clean and give him the benefit of the doubt. Because other sports proved us wrong with that already. And we caught A-Rod 3,000 times. And Lance Armstrong happened and all this stuff. And he went and lied on people in court and all that. Nah, B, you're done. You don't get no what is. Now, Anderson Silver was dirty the whole time. That's what people think. 
It now, sucks. do I think that? Maybe not. But the general public, Anderson was dirty the whole time. And, and I mean, that's kind of how your legacy ends. And it sucks because boxing has this long legacy of fighters. You know, you talk about your Chavalos, you talk about Roberto Duran, you talk about Pernell Whitakers, you go talk about Willie Pep, you talk about Henry Armstrong. So many names in boxing carry this huge legacy. MMA is like, Hoist Gracie? Mm, okay. Tito yeah. Ortiz is washed up. He's a bum now. Yeah, Hoist Gracie. Uh, uh, Matt Hughes? I mean, who are your legends? I mean, Fedor, of course, but even Fedor, you're coming back fighting a washed at the end. This is what I'm saying. Like, no fighter ever goes out on top for the most part. Even Muhammad Ali got thrashed in his last few fights. But their their memories last forever. Sugar Ray Leonard, even Marvin Hagler, for all that he's done, people remember Marvin Hagler. Liddell, GSP, they will go down pretty favorably. It's just weird, but it's it's just not the same. You know what I'm saying? Anderson was that first crown jewel where you say, Anderson, go out. They, I think they just wanted Anderson to win three more fights. Anderson, you're out of here. Cool. Retire. Be the face of something. The best fighter of all time. Out the window. And then you go, all right, well, now John Jones. Out the window. It, it's kind of like when Barry Bonds, to go back to baseball, broke the home run record. Then it's just like, damn, he's dirty. Well, okay, this next guy, A-Rod, is going to break it. Look, he's on pace. He's clean. He's a golden boy. Boom, he's there. And then now you look at John Jones. He sniffs coke, and he's a crazy <laughs> person. So it's just like, okay, who's next? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and you, they're always just searching for the next great fighter, hopefully. And he stays smart and clean the entire length of his career. But it's hard to do. It will see Some what catches happens. you in the lifestyle. So real quick, Henderson and Vitor, who do you have winning this fight this weekend? We're going to be at Rios and Bradley, but who do you have winning the main event? I have Vitor winning it. Knockout? Yeah, this not going the distance. Some hmm. Either it's... H bomb or Vitor is gonna yeah demolish him. So I, I have Vitor winning. I see. I, I don't know what what Vitor we're gonna see. We're just, like when we saw him fight Chris Wyman, we looked at his body. Was like, oh, he looks like an old man. He's gonna get killed. If he looks like an old man on the scale Friday, picking Dan Anderson. It's all about how it's he all looks about on Friday. That's all I care about is the scale. Uh, next fight that I want to talk about real quick before we go over to WWE, which we have to uh, Teixeira versus Cummins. Why? Because Cummins is going to win. No, he's not, he's man. Back. You, you do this. OSP fight, anomaly. Glover Teixeira is much better than OSP as far as being refined. He's going to run a hole through Patrick Cummins this weekend. This is not even going to be competitive. You're going to stick with this Patrick. Cummins like, is going to win. You need to get Patrick Cummins' phone number, and you guys need to be friends. I, I've interviewed him several times. I don't know if I still got his number. Like, he probably changed his number. Uh, I interviewed him right after he you. stopped working at a coffee shop. Yeah, so listen, no. Glover Teixeira is going to run him over. It's not going to be fair. It's, no. Cummins is going to win. All right. All right. That's the only one I had to touch on. Uh, the rest of the card is going to be pretty good, though. Pretty action-packed. I think it's a good card. The names aren't recognizable, but I think it's going to be a fun card. Uh, I'll DVR it. Yeah, I'll be watching it. I'll watch the, it when I come over. Yeah, as soon as I get done with Bradley Reels, I'll be back watching UFC see what happens. Well, let's talk WWE then before we get out of here because we have to talk about it. If you guys didn't see me, I'm going to post it <laughs> online again. It'll be part of our little... Uh, picture i guess for this week's episode i was big e for halloween i walked around the cosmopolitan hotel here in las vegas in the singlet people were kind of pointing laughing admiring maybe i don't know wow but it was great new day logo on my belly i had the haircut even though people suggested in which if i ever do this again which hopefully i do not unless uh andreas and marco uh marcus um actually step up to the plate and complete this new day triumvirate uh-huh. for WrestleMania. But if I do it again, I will go skin bald on the sides and then fluffy up top. 
just like Big E does. Because it's not skin bald, threw people off. But I wanted a decent haircut the next day. <laughs> so, like, I shaved it off super fast. I was back to my normal light Caesar. Next time, I'll go skin bald on the sides and just shave my head bald like Andreas walks around every day. Yeah, you know, kudos to you because you pulled it off. Um, I saw the pictures, and I was like, wow, he really did this. I did. And then was, I know he was like, where's Andreas and Marcus at? And I was like, nope. People were missing a trumpet. Like, I was walking through the Cosmo. This guy was dressed like Ric Flair. He had the robe and everything. He was, whoa. Every, and then he looked at me, and he said, where's Xavier Woods? They wanted the trumpet. <laughs> that, that, that's all they care about now. Like, oh, I'm in my a God. singlet. I'm a grown man in a singlet. And they said, where's the trumpet? That's amazing. People on my Facebook said this. Marcus and Andreas didn't do it. We'll be at WrestleMania. They got to go all the way, man. I got, a, I got a guy now. I got a guy who can make the outfits. Uh, we'll figure it out. And we'll figure it out. Let's, let's talk Let's talk about the actual in-ring action this week <laughs> instead of your out-ring action on the strip of Vegas. Let's talk about Raw. Another good show. Back-to-back weeks where it's about wrestling. Cut out some of the talking and the promos. Only person who really has the long promos, Bray. And get down to what people want to see. Although um, there's a some there was a few segments that I have to start right off the bat. I'm tired of Alberto Del Rio already. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of him as Up Coulter's thing already. I'm over. Really? It. I want it to go away. I just he doesn't have a feud yet, so it's kind of getting stale. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's been what two weeks? Yeah. And you're and, and he, he's a title like dude, he's a title holder. He wrestled our truth, and then Jack Swagger came in. Talks to Zeb Coulter, and I was watching this like, is paint drying? Like, why is this so boring? Is Swagger coming back then? This is what I'm saying. Like, dude, if you give me Del Rio and Jack Swagger, I am changing the channel. Yeah, that's going to be my Cut uh, that out. My break during Survivor Series. That's the feud. Because like, it can't be. Uh, we can talk about who we want to see feud with him. And to me, if I had to pick someone, I, I wouldn't want Ryback doing it. Because, once again, that's kind of whack. But if... I mean, if I had to choose, it'd be, man, Ambrose. But I got other plans for Ambrose. Well, Kevin Owens. Yeah, I think like, we teased that during the Survivor Series. I mean, the Survivor Series elimination tag yeah. match. Yeah, so, it looks like the feud that we're gonna see, and I'm I gonna love every that's minute. Going. Of it. That's gonna be amazing. Yeah. So then it's just like, if it's not him, then who? Neville. Sure, but I mean, I guess the perfect person, U.S. title and everything. Oh God, the way it's going. No, perfect person. Cesaro. I was going to say the same thing. But Cesaro needs to push. Cesaro. And he's been winning a lot lately. Though. It's the he weirdest. It's the strangest thing watching Cesaro's career because right now he's hot again. And like the, the wrestling section. The, the Raw this week was good. It wasn't great. The in-ring action was solid. But when Cesaro wrestles, there's a certain element. Like he did like a, some kip-ups in the match and the crowd got into it. Cesaro's that guy that brings you heat when you need it. But he's that perfect guy. He's the perfect foil for Del Rio. But will they put like. The belt needs to be on Cesaro. Cesaro needs to have the U.S. Open Challenge because that, with that being gone, the belt is just another belt. Yeah. And and Kevin Owens is actually elevated to a better champion than Del Rio because why is Del Rio fighting our truth on TV? I don't know. And, and if Cesaro can take the belt, that'd be great. And I'd rather Del Rio chase the belt. I think his character and him being a heel is better chasing the belt than having the belt. He just needs to get rid of Zeb Coulter because I don't get it. I really just – it doesn't yeah, make know. any sense. Um, also, the return of the Usos. Strange, but I felt like it was wasted. Well, let's talk about the Survivor Series match then. Yeah. Since we're talking about all that. I think this match could have headlined Survivor Series. If this was the main event of Survivor Series, I would have been happy. I didn't need the titles on the line. I didn't need anything. You build until the next pay-per-view in December. And this match, the way it played out, the way it was booked, perfect. 
the Usos come back and pop on a pay per view would have been way better than a Monday Night Raw. This I felt like that was wasted. They could have put the Dudleys in the same in that spot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it but feels like unless they want them to go at it at Survivor Series for the title match. Well, <laughs> building up to maybe a disqualification, Dudleys come in, put everyone through tables. You have a TLC match in December, a three-way tag team TLC match. It, which is great, which I've been saying this whole time we needed, and I thought the Usos was that third team because they're big, but they can fly. I, I think that's exactly where they should be going. It just kind of felt weird when they, they announced the Usos. It was like, yay, what? Like, oh, they're here? And then they get eliminated, like, whatever. You know, it was like, they had to get eliminated. I mean, but yeah, the, the way it kind of happened was just, it was kind Xavier of. Woods taking an L right off the bat. Well, that's amazing. a Xavier Woods character amazing. at this point. Uh, you know, sooner or later, he's going to have to have a decent run as a wrestler. But right now, he's like Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah, he doesn't need a run as a wrestler. <laughs> I feel like, you know what? People knock Enzo Amari all the time at NXT, not to get sidetracked and be like, he can't wrestle. He's just mm-hmm. going to be Cass's mouthpiece when they get up to the next level. No. He can do what Xavier Woods does. Xavier Woods is a champion. Yeah. Enzo could do the same thing. He gets beat up, big cast comes save the day. It's amazing. No, you're right. Um, uh, what else do we have? Well, we, well, before we oh. talk about the rest of the, that match, I want to talk, like, we had the Divas four-way match, right? Yeah. Which, page one, predictably, and Sasha, seems like we're going to save Sasha into, like, Royal Rumble something, because he's going to be around. Yeah. I have, there's one issue that I had, not about the match. Becky Lynch's promo was so bad. It wasn't great. I mean, I like Becky Lynch, so. But that promo, like, her being like, who you calling her to be? Like, I thought that was funny. She, she's like the Lucky Charms leprechaun with a with a quirky personality. Oh, don't do her like that. I, I don't she, like what they're doing with, with I thought Becky. it was a pro- good promo. I, I hated mean. it. Worst promo I've seen from her, hands down. She was terrible. Well, because NXT promos were, like, about her passion and about, like, real stuff. Now she's kind of, like, quirky. But that's that's it, 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 she's quirky sidekick. But she was like that in NXT. Like it's not like we haven't seen the same formula but, before. But that's what We're I'm saying. The exact same thing. Charlotte's the champion. Sasha's gonna be next. After Sasha, Becky Lynch was Sasha's little caveat, and she was Sasha's sidekick. And then that four way pop, the four way title shot popped off, and then. Charlotte got moved out, and then Becky showed her real character. It's the exact same script all I, over again. All I'm saying is the promo was horrible, and she just looked ridiculous. But she wrestles her ass off in that She match. does, but I'm just saying you she can't. She suplexed everyone. She was incredible in that match. But she, they need, like, that personality is, is horrible. I would say that Divas 4-Way match is the best Divas match on the main roster in a decade. A decade. That match was the best Divas match. I don't know. Moveset, even, like, Brie mode. Was it that horrible? <laughs> Best Divas match in a decade on the main roster. Ugh, yeah, whatever. Um, was that enjoyable. So um, we lo- it also looks like we're going to have the Wyatts against Kane and Undertaker's Survivor Series, and that's it. No, I think we solved that puzzle. Like, the more I'm, that I'm, we're getting close to it. I'm good with this. It's going to be Big Show. No. It and Mark to, Henry. No, it needs to be Undertaker, Kane against the Wyatts. I don't want Undertaker and Kane to have any partners. Two on four. Yep. Elimination style. Yep. That's crazy. Because Ambrose was the only guy that I really realistically could have fit into that match. And he'd just be the guy that's going to take an L for the Brothers of Destruction. But with Kane and Undertaker being the Brothers of Destruction, adding another partner just kind of ruins the the nostalgia of these two getting in the ring and fighting off four people. Because a four-on-four, essentially, Undertaker and Kane should win this match, yeah. right? To just have a four-on-two gives a little bit more risk. Then we know Rowan and... Harper are well, going to take the L. Then they're going to lose two. Right. They're going to lose anyway. Yeah. But Bray and Strowman against Undertaker, Undertaker and, Kane, and Kane, I I'm with this. And that's going to be the final two, and that's going to be sick. And if the Undertaker is the first person to pin Strowman, 
then it just heightens the Undertaker's mystique and legacy. Whichever Strowman, I'm still a little confused right now. It's just he's he's so over as a monster heel, but when monster heels fall, they fall hard and they start losing. Like I said, it's like hitting their weak spot, and then everybody figures it out. It's like King Hippo and Mike Tyson's punch out. Like when you know <laughs> how to, when you know what to do, he's easy to beat. And that's what will happen to Strowman once he loses to Undertaker. But I think the Wyatt family like persona will protect him because he can always still be scary. Yeah, I mean, they, as long as he you know, have this gang mentality where they're still jumping people, I enjoy it. He, he should be all right. And then Survivor Series match, to wrap it up, I guess, um, <laughs> it was a good match. T. Rollins was great and funny. I like that combination. I thought they picked it perfectly. Okay, wait. Kevin Owens standing in the corner telling Seth Rollins, like, hurry up and do something. Do it. <laughs> it was hilarious. Even funnier than that, when they were doing, like, the stomps. Yeah. And then Big E comes in, and then he slings Kevin Owens into the cannonball. And then Kevin Owens, like, gets up on one knee, and Big E's doing the dance in front of his face. He's like, what are you doing? It's He's hilarious. He's like, this dance is for you. He's like, I don't want it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. Even, Incredible. Even funny, more interesting than that is, like, I'm watching this match. And I'm thinking, like, I go back to the Owens-Rollins promo that happened, and, you know, it's like, you owe me something. And I watch Rollins' thing, and I'm like, he's not as good as Owens in the New Day. Like, Rollins is a good champion. He's a great wrestler. But personality-wise, this is like Kevin Owens in the New Day, like, ran this match. Oh, carried them, like they were Like, they were just brilliant. But no one's talking about how Rollins is less of a cowardly champ right now. Well, like, he's actually, he's ditched. The caveat of this person protects me, that person protects me. He's going against now everyone by himself. Which right. Which is good. And I think it's adding to his character. And I think we're going to see the best of Rollins still. Because I've just noticed. I'm like, yo, there's no one protecting him. But therein lies the problem. It's This is when you lose the title. And this is what I don't want to see. You start winning clean. And then you lose to Roman Reigns. Because this is like what they're working towards. It seems like Roman Reigns is going to take the title from the Survivor Series. And I'm going to be disgusted with oh, it. Oh, God. That's just going to give us a Roman Reigns super scene of WrestleMania. And I'm, and I'm so sick of Roman Reigns. Like, like I said, I don't like his promos. I think he's getting better. He's, I, he's not great at the promos by any means. They're still kind of bland. Like He's like, yeah, b- believe. Long pause. That. <laughs> what, dude? Like, come on, man. I don't know, man. Just say believe that fiddle with your glove yeah, uh, that's like, all you got to do like man. do something like i, I don't know he, like, he's all he was great as the enforcer in the shield who just said his believe that and kept it moving while ambrose kind of carried the promos but by himself he just kind of f- feels weird like and then like him and rollins i like watching them wrestle i don't like watching them talk to each other because like rollins always forces a laugh like <laughs> and he's like it's like he's like the villain in every bad kids cartoon yeah he's like he's like the b villain like yeah 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 i'm gonna twist my mustache and like come on <laughs> seth like come on you can be a better heel than this he's always forcing a laugh i'm, I'm like cut it out and, and roman is always like forcing this like stoic look like i believe that <laughs> i don't like it like in the in the ring they're great together somehow some way ambrose needs to be involved and they need to go get this this three-way shield match if they're not gonna do it at mania do it at the royal rumble figure do it somewhere oh, that'd be great you know and uh I mean, you, you never know. And Kevin Owens saying, you owe me. You don't know how that's going to play in with Seth. And well, not at WrestleMania, that's for sure. And everything. So it, it's it's a good mix of characters. Yeah. Kevin Owens and then the three X-Shield guys. It's going to be a good program leading up into the Royal Rumble. And then we'll get the build up to Mania. Now, last thing awesome. before we sign off today. Because we'll end up talking about NXT next week. Because tonight's a big Samoa Joe We got to talk about it now. Listen, by the time the people get this. It's going to have – it went down. We got to touch on it. Well, it, it go ahead. Ha- we know right. it. It is happening. Yeah. 
tonight we have Finn Balor versus Apollo uh, Cruz. Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz won the the battle royal. He's gonna get his shot. I already know what happens in the match due to the dirt sheets, but I'm still gonna watch it as soon as I leave here, like a, a kid on Christmas. So we get Apollo Cruz. He gets run in by Rhino. Rhino breaks it up. That's gonna be the next feud. And then Samoa Joe comes out to save the day, but turns on Finn Balor. Samoa Joe heel turn. Excited? It's your boy. This is what needed to happen. Joe is it, it, he's being I feel st- like you've cooled on Joe. Because Joe is stale as a face. Right now he's very stale. He's not like I miss ROH Samoa Joe and I miss TNA brutal Samoa Joe. Not the later like main event mafia Samoa Joe. <laughs> face Samoa Joe has been boring in NXT and he's not as ruthless as he should be. And this is what he needs. And I, I can't wait to see Samojo as a heel. I just need him to destroy people now. Is he good enough to be champion? Yes. He's good enough to be champion. He's good enough to be champion if he's a monster heel. If he starts, if he's, if Joe is the old Joe that used to, I always refer to TNA Joe. Not ROH Joe because TNA Joe ran roughshod over everybody. If he goes out there and starts hurting people, because that's what Joe used to do. He would make you throw in the towel. He would make you bleed. That's the guy that can be champion, a ruthless, destructive force that just kills everybody. And then, you know, even puts Finn Balor on the shelf for a couple months. Something needs to happen for Joe. He's not your regular wrestler. And him being – because right now he's just a regular wrestler. Yeah. You know, it's like you'll get your shit in. he used to have, like, the leather jacket. He used to be just way more rugged. Well, that's what – like, in TNA, when he used to carry the towel, if anybody was in TNA, you'll remember the bloody towel that he used that he carried, like, Christopher Daniels' blood on his towel. It was like it was sadistic. That's the Joe I like. This Joe has been like a lot more tame. Like, hey, you can get your shit in. I'll well, get I my think shit. They in. let you develop your character. Yeah, and no, true. It's true. Now it's just like, what's your character? And Joe's like, yo, this is me. You know, every <laughs> so let me go. Heels are just it's much better for a wrestler to be a heel because all your personality comes out. Yeah. And Joe, heel Joe, and I like I don't know where Apollo Cruz fits into the mix because essentially if Joe He's t- got to take the step back now, he's going to go against or Rhino. does he? Or does he? Or does Joe take the title for Phil Balor and, Finn, and and puts Finn Balor on the shelf, and Joe and Apollo Crews engage in a few? Because like, but Finn, I, I hate to say it, but uh, too much money for the company. Well, he he is, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Take a, a paid vacation. But you you create this feud and then you have like a triple threat or something. Yeah, like you have and to do something. That begs my last question of the show: Is Finn ready to move up? Because once you drop the belt, no, you go. Uh, not until after or WrestleMania. Do you bring a Tommy back. And then Finn attacked Atami the, or Joe attacked Atami or something. like. Atami coming back, Finn stays in NXT until the day after WrestleMania. I'm going to keep saying this. The day after WrestleMania, you bring Finn Balor at Raw. He makes his debut. And I don't know if you just strap a rocket to his back and send him after the title or Are however. Are you out there for that Raw? I don't know. I, I haven't decided yet. I'm going to be there for NXT. I'm going to be there for Mania, of course. And uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to be there for Raw. It's always like, it always feels like it's almost too much wrestling. By the time you get to Monday, you're like, shit, another one? And Raws are always like extremely long. long. But the Raw after Mania is always like the best Raw of the year. It is. And you if know what we might have to do if we get enough like listeners that hit us up and say, hey, we're going to be in Dallas. We're going to watch WrestleMania. We might have to stay out there. I'll, I'll do all the legwork. I'll get a place out there. Let us sit down. Let us have all of us and all our fans there, and we just watch it at a bar or a sports bar or something, and just WrestleMania, like just Monday Night Raw, we all watch it together. If I'm staying there, I'm going to Raw. I'm not going to be at no bar with none of you guys. I'm going to Raw. Oh, you're so <laughs> uppity. 
Your inner light skin just Sorry. came out. Sorry. You're the worst. If I'm, if I'm paying for another night, you, I'll be goddamn if I'm going to sit in a bar with y'all and I can do that at home. I'm going you to Raw. two nights of wrestling. No. If I'm staying in Dallas and paying for another night at a hotel, I'm going to Raw. Front center. If I'm sitting at the floor of WrestleMania, you, I'll be goddamn it. I'm going to be right there at Raw if I'm staying. Otherwise, I'm going to go home and watch it at the comfort of my house. I ain't seen no bar with y'all. Look at you. <laughs> just brand new. Out. On that note, we out of here. <laughs> next week we'll bring another show. Um, I'm going to procure a guest for next week. Yay! We haven't had a guest in a minute. People started asking us, "When's your next guest?" Oh, really? Yeah. I, Some I people just like I just like to listen to you guys talk. Yeah. I don't know what you guys like. I really don't care. I don't know. We'll bring another guest and see how it goes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll figure it out. UFC, and then we'll get ready for another boxing match that we have out here. Oh God! And every week. Yeah, and then Canelo Cotto. We'll preview that some more and see what else pops up. Sounds good. All right. So make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Everything at the corner LSN. Follow me at Kel Dansby on all social media platforms. And I'm Andreas Hill at Andreas Hill. If you haven't followed me by now, I don't know why. So hit us up. Let us know what you guys are thinking. Until next week, we're out. Peace. Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.